Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Amber. And you're listening to it on the Win Network. Yes, that's right. Win Network. Together, we win. Stay tuned. Well, 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 thank you so much. Good evening. Good evening to everyone out there um, listening in. I appreciate you. Um, Now, you know that this is our third season of the iRain Blog Talk radio show, and I am just so thrilled to to still be here. Uh, Like I said before, we thought that this would be like a one-season show uh, and that we would cover everything that we needed to cover in that one season, but boy, were we wrong. Thank you for joining us and making it possible for our third season. I am Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of Irene Blog Talk Radio Show, which is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. Now, you know, we endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, domestic violence, and other traumas, as well as providing awareness, uh, prevention training, and resources to the community. Now, in the month of October, we dedicated it to focus on spreading awareness about domestic violence because it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Now, during this time, you have learned a lot about how to create a safety plan, an escape plan, how to recognize a potential partner abuser before even getting into the relationship. We even shattered some myths out there that surround this crime and the victims. Tonight is our final show on the domestic violence awareness, and um, the story that you're going to hear is quite a doozy. Here to share her harrowing story is none other than Angela Thomas Smith. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, um, we're going to, uh, you know, I would like to go ahead and, as always, you know, people who listen to the show, they they always, they know that my first thing is I want my audience to, to know a little bit about you. And so if you could kind of share just, uh, briefly about you, what you're doing, and stuff like that. Well, I'm Angela Thomas Smith. Um, I live in Anderson, South Carolina. I am the founder and director of AALAC, which is the African American Author Literacy Awareness Campaign Organization. Um, my objective and mission is just to bring um, awareness to African American authors and give them a platform to be able to share their stories. Mm. I think that's great. I've been, I have had a chance to uh, take a look at what you're doing and see some of your flyers of your events. Been on your Facebook page to uh, to see what it is, and I I can tell that you are definitely doing things in excellence. Hopefully, one day I'll be able to actually be a part of one of your events. I definitely look forward to that. Well, um, let's go ahead and begin with 
your story. So tell our listeners about your personal experience with domestic violence. Well, um, I was involved in a domestic violence um, incident. which escalated um, because of um, issues with the stepdaughter. But I was um, shot, point blank range with a shotgun. Um, I woke up one Wednesday morning in the hospital, um, not really realizing what happened until afterwards and having conversations with different people, um, realizing that I had been shot um, in a domestic violence um, dispute, um, which um, stemmed from me um, reporting a incident that was going on with um, a stepdaughter. Um, she was being molested um, by an uncle, and um, she reached out to me. Um, and I'm just a type of person, um, I struggled at first um, trying to figure out what to do. But then um, I said, you know what, I, I have to do something. So I um, actually, I contacted the school um, anonymously, and um, <clears throat> they were able to um, – she ran track, so they were able to get her um, into the office and talk to her. And um, long story short, um, we ended up having to um, press charges against the uncle. And um, now, we are going to be talking about that a little bit more because I definitely want to go into that as well. Um, and the and I know this is also your first time really coming out publicly about talking about, uh, you know, the, the actual incident of domestic violence. When you, so what, what was, what happened? You were just going about your day and then he just snapped or kind of tell us what happened that day before the, um, the shooting. That day I, um, I worked, I worked for a nonprofit organization. So I had been out all day. I hadn't been home. Um, I'd been out um, trying to get a program started up um, because we were getting ready to go into, um, I think it was preparing for either after school program or we were preparing for a summer program. I can't remember which one it was, but nevertheless, I was trying to prepare for a food service program. I had been out all day going to different locations, um, talking with people, and um, I didn't go straight home that evening. I actually um, had spoken with him on the phone. I went to a family member's house and was over to their house at probably about 11, 11.30. And usually I get on the prayer call at 1 o'clock. So I come home and I laid down and um, was preparing to get on the prayer call. Um, got on the prayer call, got off the prayer call, and um, it was just a little bickering back and forth. And I was not in the mood for it. Um, I had a long day, was not in the mood for it. And I can tell that something was going on. Didn't really know what was going on. But um, he had gotten some news that day, but I didn't know what kind of news he had received. Um, so I, I was laying down. Um, the big one was going back and forth. So I was attempting to leave. I was going to leave and go to a neighbor's house and just ride it out. Well, I was headed to the neighbor's house. Um, I was outside, um, and that's all I remember. Um, I know that I was outside. And when I went back and I looked at the pictures from the incident, I was probably 30 feet from my door when it happened. Um, like I say, I don't know what happened because I was headed out. I was on my way to the neighbor's house. Um, did not know that um, he had a weapon. Um, I've never seen a weapon. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't even know that there was a weapon in the house. So I don't oh, wow. know what had been going on because we never, we, we've never really had problems before. You know, mm -hmm. I, I never in a million years thought that this was happening. Um, and I don't make excuses for for him because no matter what you're going through, um, you should not take it out on someone else. Um, I understand that you were under a lot of pressure, but you never know how much pressure I was under either. But mm -hmm. you have to learn how to handle yourself. And 
if it's too much for you to handle, then you have to learn how to get help. I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely, um, you know, gotta gotta learn, but especially our our men, it, they, it's so hard for them to get help and reach for help before they reach their boiling point. Um, and part of, part of the problem is it's systemic in that um, society, you know, makes no qualms about calling men who cry or men who need counseling. They'll call them sissy in a minute or, you know, um, too much, too in touch with their feminine side. And I believe our society really has, we have to take a look at how we are training up our children, both uh the girls and the boys, because uh, I believe they're they're creating a uh, situations where there's more victims and there's more you know those who perpetrate. So now, exactly. where did he shoot? Where did he shoot you? I was shot in my leg, um, in my right leg, um, well, my right thigh up towards okay. my. Um, right below my hip area. Um, and was, and what it was probably the pain of it that made you pass out. Um, probably the loss of blood. Um, because I lost a lot of blood. Um, I um lost a lot of tissue. Um, because I was mm-hmm. shot with the shotgun. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of um damage done. Um. My doctor said it was a miracle that I survived because usually people that get shot with a shotgun usually end up losing, depending on where it's at, they end up, it usually severs a um, nerve and mm. severs a um, a blood vessel or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, I lost a lot of blood. Um, like I said, I woke up at 6 o'clock that morning, 7 o'clock that morning um, in recovery room. Um and not really knowing what was going on. Um, I woke wow. up and my niece was right there holding my hand. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was no just, other, he, there was no other sign. He, um, he didn't hit you before or threatened to kill you before. There was nothing really that gave you any clue to his, this violence. There was no hitting. Um, now that I look back and I've I've replayed this a thousand times in my mind, um, there were signs of things going on. Um, because mm-hmm. I did notice mood swings. I did mm-hmm. notice um around the time that everything started to happen and everything started to, you know, come to the surface, there was a lot of change um with him that he did not exhibit before all this stuff started happening. Mm-hmm. And, and so your story here of domestic violence is um, a, a little bit different because there was nothing, you know, he, he he wasn't hitting you before. It didn't escalate. It just kind of popped out of nowhere. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean that it's not domestic violence, folks. And I want to make sure we clarify that. It you know it could it could happen. Uh, it could be a chronic situation. It could be uh, a one-time thing, like with Miss um, Thomas Smith. Uh, but it's still domestic violence. It's still violence against the person. And so um, you know what? When we come back, we are about to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about you know what did she go through emotionally because. The, the domestic violence is not just about physical pain, but there's something more that happens to the person uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So everybody, please just hang on tight. We'll be right back after these short messages and state, the station identification. Have you priced commercials lately? Advertising can truly break your budget. At Win, we eliminate the most common hurdle to advertising. Advertise with WIN to reach potential customers locally, nationally, and internationally for as low as $150. Yes, that's right, $150 per commercial. 
We Inspire Network Radio is a new and rapidly growing online radio network that boasts of dynamic seasoned show hosts who are drawing audiences from across the nation and abroad. Africa, Australia, Scotland, Canada, just to name a few. We also have the technical capabilities to advertise your products and services through sound bites, slideshows, and more. No long-term contracts. You pay per show. Advertise on win, and you are sure to be a winner. For more information, call us 201-477-0469. Email Annie Bell at wealthmanagement-fs.org. My name is Minister Lloyd Bell, Jr., CEO of We Inspire Network Radio. God bless you, and I am Minister Annie Bell, the COO of We Inspire Network Radio. We had you, our listeners, in mind when we created We Inspire Network Radio, or as we like to call it, Win Radio. We incorporated your thoughts and opinions to ensure that our programming will embody true inspiration. And we will continue to bring relevant and heartfelt shows that cater to the needs and wants of our growing listener base. Please, subscribe to our network so that you can stay connected. Join us here every week where together, through God, we win. Welcome back to I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, those who have um, been here and, and stuck with us after that commercial break. Of course, I am Minister Annie Bell, and you are listening to the I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show. Now, if you're interested in sponsoring a show or advertising on our uh, broadcast, please contact our marketing department at 201-477-0469. Now, we, this is a our, our nonprofit, and this is something that we do to educate the public. So anything that you could do to help us stay on the air is greatly appreciated. We are back with Miss Angela Thomas-Smith, and she was just talking about uh, the incident that occurred, the domestic violence incident that occurred, that almost took her life. Um, and so, uh, welcome back to the show, uh, Ms. Thomas Smith. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I do want to, again, really affirm your courage to uh, come on the show. Like I said, I know this is your first time talking about it publicly, and uh, and it's not easy. It's it, it, I think opening up dialogue about an abuse is uh, or trauma is one of the hardest things to to do at first, um, and it but it does come uh, easier, especially for those who are trying to advocate. Now, tell me something: when you were laying in the hospital and and you began to, I guess, hear the pieces of the puzzle being pulled together, even when you saw the pictures of blood on the ground and you know how what did you feel tell me afterwards what were some of the things that you went through emotionally it was like at first it was like a a nightmare um I couldn't believe that this had happened it was just it was a total shock and I, I I couldn't sleep at night I suffered from insomnia um every time I would try to go to sleep I would dream um it just took me on a emotional roller coaster um mm-hmm. i was sad all the time i i felt like you know what did i do to deserve this you know i i felt like you know i didn't deserve this and looking and watching people have to pack my leg with mm-hmm. with gauze and stuff in my leg with gauze you know and when I first woke up and the doctor was telling me that um, before I would be able to walk, you know, that was just like, it, it, it just set me back. Mm-hmm. And 
I um I don't know what happened, but the therapist come in the room that day and um they asked me if I wanted to walk. I don't know if they were in, came to the wrong room or what, but they came in with a walker and they asked me did I want to get up and try to walk. And my immediate response was yes. Mm-hmm. And I got up and I actually walked uh, with the aid of a walker. And, you know, I, I just immediately just began to praise God because the yeah. doctor just this morning had told me that, you know, it was going to be months. And, and and before I even was able to, they told me it was going to be months of um, occupational therapy where I would have to probably relearn to walk. And, you know, it, I was just amazed and I, I just began to praise God. But Hallelujah. After coming home, I it, I stayed in the hospital. I only stayed in the hospital three days. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it was Wednesday. I woke up in the hospital. Friday, I came home, and just having to, you know, accept the fact that I'm going to be walking with a walker or a cane for a while um, until I'm able to walk on my own. Um, just adjusting to that and having to have someone to come and pack my leg because I couldn't do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I had to have a nurse come and um, pack my leg and clean my wound. And um, I had to do that for approximately two to three months until I fully um, healed. But I have a deep um, scar on my leg where you can actually tell. Um, my leg stays swollen this constantly. I, I suffered so much nerve damage. Um, wow. To, it, it was just the pain. I was in pain a lot. Um, I suffered from insomnia. I was diagnosed with um, medic depression, um, PTSD, and just being diagnosed with these things. And um, me being a faith person, um, you know, I, I just began to call on the Lord and just began right. to, to, to activate my faith. And there was a time when I was truly depressed. And I was even though I've been praying and seeking God, it just seemed like I was just alone and that I just I didn't want to get up out the bed. Um I it was just like I was just medicating, just just taking pills and just sleeping. Mm-hmm. My 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 days became my nights and my nights became my days. I would be up all night when everybody else would be asleep. And I just it was just a hard time. Um mm-hmm. I think I, I, I dealt with this for almost a year and a half before I realized that hey, this is this is not normal. This is not mm-hmm. how I know God wants me to live my life. So I began to seek help. Um, I started seeing a psychologist, um, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I started um going to um therapy. Um, I joined um a support group, um, Celebrate Recovery, which is a um a lot of people go there that um, have different habits, hang-ups, or hurts that they've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, some may be for drugs, some may be for overeating or depression or whatever it is that you may be going through. Um, I started attending all these things. Um, I was just released from my psychiatrist um, May of this year. Um, I was released from my therapist, I think, around August of this year. So this is this is really something that um, I just come out of really doing. I still attend my support group because um, there's still some issues that um, I'm dealing with. And um, sure. I, I still attend that um, just as something to, to encourage, um, to stay encouraged and to keep me um, pressing on. Um, but I now that's, realize that's that God spared my life for a reason. Um, yeah. Because I, my life could have been taken on that on that night. But God spared mm-hmm. my life for a reason. And I promised him if he would raise me up off my bed of affliction that I would share Come on now. his goodness throughout this, throughout this world. That I would yeah. share his goodness. And I would let people know that he is real. And he is going to do what he said he was going to do. Because in Jeremiah 29 and 11, he said he had a plan for us. The process right. was to be in good health, but to have hope in the future. And I truly believe that, you know, his word is not going to return to him void because he's not a man that he should lie. So I That's just right. began to trust his word and began to, to remind him that, you know, you said these things and you spoke these things. And people have been praying and speaking into my life all my life. Um, I mm-hmm. grew up in the church, so I, I knew the word. 
and I just began to 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 recite these things and, and just began to call upon the Lord and He just rose me up off my bed of affliction and, and I just began to do what He called me to do. I I truly believe that now I'm walking in purpose when you know the storm is over. Um, I've endured a lot of storms in my life, just just one storm. But um, I know now that I'm walking in purpose because now I can go out and share this story with somebody that may be going through the same thing um, and let them know that they can survive, that they can get out. They can, you know, there is there is life after tragedy that you don't have to wallow in your pity that you can um, raise yourself up. So I thank God for and you are definitely a walking epistle. And um, to declare the work of the Lord, the, the Psalms 118.17 talks about, I, you, uh, you shall not die, but live to declare the works of the Lord. And so we have to, if he has saved our lives, we have to talk about what God has done. We have to be a testimony unto him. We have to declare the works of God. And so I'm so thankful and so grateful that you um, are today walking and today breathing uh, so that we could go ahead and maybe help somebody else because it's not just about uh, being it's not just about living but to be alive it's not just about existing but it's about thriving because there is life after trauma and that's one of the things that you know one of the many things that we try to do on this show is to amp up that part that if you are alive, you have the opportunity and there is hope uh, for a brighter tomorrow for not just yourself, but for others. Because we go through a thing, not just for ourselves and to be able to say we got through it, but to then to turn around and help somebody else. It's obvious to me that it, your the shooting was um, premeditated because you didn't even have a shotgun. He didn't even own a gun until that day. And so this was all premeditated, and you had kind of started talking about an an event that occurred that probably had caused him to kind of lose it. What can you now expound on that? Well, prior to all of this taking place, um, we had received um, news that um, his daughter had been molested, and. found out that she was molested by an uncle. Um, Charges was pressed. Um, Later on, we found out um, around this time, we were finding out that um, she was pregnant. Um, Mm. So there was, you know, thing after thing after thing, and you know, it was just adding up and piling up, and when you don't deal with something, um, and, and I look back, you know, I'm like, okay, you going through all this, you can't handle it by yourself, then you, you need to get help. And, you know, I, I, I failed to recognize the sign. But now that so I've endured this. She came to the both of you or she came to you to report that somebody was molesting her? She had reached out to other people prior mm-hmm. to contacting me. Okay. Um, but then when you, she reached I, out to you, you reached out to the authorities. I did. Because I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. You know, right. I, I spoken to and the my others sister and they I, didn't and reach out to the authorities, correct? They they didn't they they just brushed it off, you know. Mm-hmm. And because there was you know, even some in things that, had been going on in the family and mm-hmm. you know they're the type of people that they don't believe in, you know, what happens in in the household stays in the household. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They they there there are a lot of people that have these stigmas that you know certain things shouldn't be released that they can deal with this um, within the family. But mm-hmm. certain stuff people need to know if something is not right. You know, I thank God that my mother taught me at a young age that if someone is touching you inappropriately or approach you inappropriately that you need to let me know mm-hmm. and That's right. get yourself in, and not put yourself in a situation where somebody can t- touch you inappropriately. 
But That's most right. importantly, you need to let me know. And people yeah. need to share that with their kids at an early age. Early age. If anything makes you feel uncomfortable. You have to do it. It's so early because these, I mean, the, the, I think the, the youngest that I have heard of, we're talking about a three-week-old child who was being molested, who had been raped anally, both anally and vaginally. And so it's happening at such alarmingly young ages that we can no longer wait till kids are 15 and 12. We have to start talking in an appropriate, with appropriate words for their age, um, talking about it very soon. Because otherwise, they're going, you know, that, that uh, creates a, a higher probability of uh, child molestation. And... Um, and, and, you know, I want to really say, I want to say this, and then we have to go on our break real quick, but it took courage for, you know, the other people, they didn't, they didn't have the courage to report them. They didn't have the um, righteous indignation that rose up in them and say, wait a minute, you're not going to be having sex with my stepchild. Um, you're not going to be, you know, having your way with this young child and think you're going to get away with it. So I am proud of you. I am absolutely just, um, you know, I'm over here grinning and I'm just so happy that your stepdaughter had you there uh, to uh, to talk to and someone that she could finally uh, go to for, for the help that she needed. Everybody, please stay um, tuned. We got some more things that's just going to kind of rock your head. I want you to stay tuned so you can hear the rest of her testimony. Um, we'll be back in just a few moments. It's not your ordinary radio station. The home of truth, inspiration, inspiration. We inspire network. We it's not your ordinary radio station. The home of truth, inspiration, inspiration. We inspire Minister Annie Bell. 
again, welcome back to the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. And uh, I am Minister Annie Bell, and I'm the host of the show. For those who are just tuning in, we are here talking about the, um, with talking with Angela Thomas Smith and about um, the incident that occurred with uh, a domestic violence incident that actually stemmed from her being the catalyst of helping her stepdaughter get out of a sexually abusive situation with her uncle. And um, so she, we were just talking about, about that. So welcome back, um, Ms. Uh, Thomas Smith. Thank you. <clears throat> You're welcome. Now, um, so your stepdaughter was being molested, and she got pregnant from the one that was molesting her, and that was her uncle? Um, from my understanding, um, there were some more um, incidents that took place. Um, actually, it came out that the stepfather was also molesting her. Um, the baby was not the uncle. Um, so there were a, a, a oh lot gosh. of other things that were going on um, there. But the fact that um, I decided to take a stand, um, it caused a lot of issues within um, the family. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was the target of um, a lot of the conversations and a lot of hate and um, a lot of things that, you know, took place. Um, Is that just absolutely ludicrous or what? I mean... There is a young child being sexually assaulted so much so that she was impregnated for so and and by so many people that she, you know, she didn't even know who the father was, but they're going to be mad at you. That's the definition of insanity to me. I just, I couldn't sit by um, because I have nieces and I have nephews and, you know, I just couldn't allow that to just Mm-mm. go un, un, untold. So I had to, to speak out because if I didn't, then, you know, it may have never even come to the forefront. Um, exactly. And nothing would have been done about it because um, she had a boyfriend um, because she was of age. She had a boyfriend. Um, she was of age enough to date. Um, so there was a, a boyfriend involved. Um, so it could have been just brushed off on, on the boyfriend. And, you know, nobody never said anything. Spoke out because um, I had to. Um, I just couldn't let it go un, unanswered. Because if that, if, if, if that had been my child, I would have wanted somebody to, to, to be there for my child. No. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to you that. Know, so people, kids don't sometimes don't have a voice that they can speak for themselves. So they need somebody that will stand up and and speak for them and stand up and have their back. And they know that you know it's going to be okay. Mhm. That's right. So I I just you know I I had to do what I had to do. I I just I just couldn't sit by. You know, I, I had lengthy conversations with my sister for two days before I even went and and, and said anything. Um, and I, I thank God for her, um, you know, giving me the courage and the support to to go and to do what I did. So now um, she also had suffered a, another trauma, which was her the loss of her mother. Correct. No, she didn't lose her mother. Oh, I must um, I must have uh, somebody who well, had. They are extreme. They are extreme now because um, in all of, in all of everything that was going on, it was found out that some more kids um was it was molested, and it was just a whole circle of events that was taking place. So they lost. She is really estranged from her mother now, um, mm-hmm. and they really don't um, 
that it really don't speak. Um, so you could say she she lost her mom, but she's mm-hmm. physically still here, but um, emotionally and mentally she's not. Um, so how is the stepdaughter now? Does she have the child? She does not. Um, she was forced to give the child up for adoption. Um, before all, before all of the the second part of everything came out, she was forced to give mm-hmm. the child up for adoption. She was forced by who? The family? Yes. Oh wow. Wow. And the um, stepfather is in jail. Um, no, he's not. My eyes just got really absolutely huge. What happened? He's not. Um, there were some, some domestic violence stuff that was going on, but, um, he was, he was jailed for a short time and then released. Um, he's currently not in jail. Was never prosecuted for that. Um, Wow. That's, a lot of that, stuff you know, in this situation just amazed me that, you know, people um, would not press charges. You know, it, yeah. it just, it just, I, I, I'm, I'm still floored by a lot of things that took place with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand, you know, she spoke out and still that thing Which was done, good. really. Yeah, because of the... the so. in, you know how many times she may have tried to speak out but didn't, and how much courage it took her to finally speak out. And then the ones that did, she spoke to initially, they didn't do anything about it. So it took so much courage for her to continue to tell someone. So, if, uh, you know, if anyone's out there listening, that's something that you might you definitely have to do is to speak out about it. Now, I know your time um, is almost up. And um, so I wanted to make sure that we gave time for you to talk about what you're doing, uh, what you're working with, and how um, my audience can get in touch with you. Well, I um, have um, since then became an author. Um, I've co-authored five books. They're inspirational books where I share different um, parts of my testimony of my life um, because I've endured a lot of storms. But um, those storms have allowed me to be where I am today and have allowed me a platform to be able to share with people and allow other people to share their stories. I I thank God for entrusting AALAC with me and the vision that he gave me for AALAC. And um, it was to bring awareness to African-American authors across the U.S. and abroad um, to give them a platform to share their stories because I've come across a lot of people um, since I've started um, AALA, and their testimonies will touch you. Um, there's people that have been sexually molested as children, um, domestic violence. Um, there are people that um, have overcame um, dealing, living with cancer and other chronic illness. Um, I have a young lady that's working with me on an event that we're going to be hosting um, next month in um, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, she suffered from a chronic illness. Um, she has had four brain tumors, um, and one has came back. And um, surgery this time is not an option. So she's dealing with that. And um, I just want people to know that whatever you're going through, that you don't have to go through it alone, that there are other people out there that have been through these things and that are going through these things. And I just want people to know that there is a way out of whatever it is and that God is he is a healer, he's a miracle worker, he's still performing miracles because he's done one in my life. And I thank him for that. Um, and I just thank him for the opportunity to be able to share with people and to give people a platform to share. Amen. How can they get in touch with you? Well, I am on Facebook. Um, my organization is AALAC. Um, they always can reach out to me on Facebook um, through my AALAC page or my page, Angela Thomas-Smith. Um, I also have um email address. It's um, three, the, number three, AALAC2016 at gmail.com. Um, you also can um, call me, um, 
Again, um, we have various um, events going on. Um, we're in our second year of Chasing Your Dreams um, tour, and it's a um, author showcase tour that we do across the U.S. We go to different cities and states and hold author showcases where we allow authors to showcase their work and an opportunity to um, share with the audience and network with the community and other authors. Um, we have motivational speakers that come out and um, share with um, share their testimony. We also conduct workshops um, because I truly believe that um, as an author that we need um, avenues to not just be vendors at events, but um, moving from being a vendor to being a entrepreneur. Um, so turning your um, books into revenue and um, a source of income. So those are just some of the things that we're doing. Um, so I urge any authors out there or anyone that's aspiring to be an author to please um, reach out to AALAC. Um, God has given me a tremendous platform and connected me with some amazing people that are truly women and men of God. Um, I tell you, I, I meet people all the time and it's just having a conversation with them. It's just like we've been knowing each other for years. And we could only have met that one time, but it just seemed like a, 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 a I don't know, we, we're a family, and um, we support each other. We, we have these events. We network with each other. Um, so that's what we do. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for surviving, and thank you for um, saving the life of your uh, stepdaughter and um, being courageous. So thank you so much, and uh, I pray that God will continue to bless your uh, the work of your hands. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me this platform to be able to share. I hope that this um, story, this testimony would um, touch someone, and if someone is going through domestic violence or going through sexual assault, that they will reach out to someone that they trust. It may not be a family member. It may be a school teacher. It may be a counselor. It may be a coach. Whoever you can reach out to to talk to, please do it, because I tell you, it will make a difference in your life. It could spare your life. Amen. Amen. Um, great words to um, uh, to exit with, so I appreciate you. Everyone else, please stay tuned. I'll be right back after these uh, this commercial break. Sadly, today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race, or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives, and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily, and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has first-hand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in a group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage. Integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures the author has provided a resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addictions counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction. Welcome back to I Rain Blog Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. Yes, yes. We're on the final quarter hour of the show. Um, I know that you were blessed with that testimony 
that uh, Miss Angela Thomas Smith had shared. And I just wanted to recap a few things and also give you some other numbers that you could call. But one, I want to, again, I want to really pull forth and highlight the, the stepdaughter's courage for coming forth. It is very hard on a victim to come forth because normally the whoever is victimizing them, the predator, the perpetrator, they have filled the victim with so much, so many threats and so many um, promises of either hurting them or hurting someone that they love or withdrawing um, their love or withdrawing something from their lives that they are really scared uh, and frightened to tell somebody. They know deep down inside that something that what they're doing to them is wrong. But trying to summon up the courage to tell someone is a huge deal. That's why all this stuff going on with Hollywood today, um, all of the uh, news of child molesters, and it took them so long, some 20, 30, even 40 years before they have ever come forth because there were, again, even being threatened to remove li- livelihood, um, their way, only way of maybe keeping their family fed, uh, these type of things. So when someone comes forth, it, it needs to be, be believed, and then something must be reported. Uh, there are mandated reporters out here, those who are uh, in schools, working with the youth, um, the police, nurse, doctors, they are, they are mandated reporters, but I think we should go a step further that any adult that has been told about a child being abused should be a mandated reporter and that if they do not report that they themselves can be um, uh, charged with the crime of allowing a child to be maltreated. Um, now that's, you know, that's my thought on it. I'm sure there's other opinions out there, but that's my thought. If we don't hold people re- responsible, this is what happens. They'll brush it under the rug. They'll say, hey, this is family business and need to be handled within the family. But guess what? You're not handling it. You're allowing the predator, the pedophile, the infantile, um, infantophile, um, they are still out there doing what they do. So you're just, you're part of the problem. You're perpetrating it. So yes, you know, that's what I believe. Secondly, I really wanted to talk about um, in in the domestic violence uh, arena, since we are uh, focusing on that this month, that again, your story may not sound like someone else's story, but if there are nuances, if there are certain things that ring in your ear, the hitting, um, financial abuse, which is you, uh, you may not have any control of any of the money. You have to ask to have uh, uh, money to go buy groceries or buy feminine products or whatever have you that they, you don't have access to the funds. That is abuse. Um, maybe he, uh, you know, doesn't say any kind words to you, but is always uh, criticizing you, doesn't have anything nice to say, and um, everything is your fault. That's verbal abuse. That's emotional abuse. Um, It's abuse, okay? You are not created to have to suffer through that. You are in the likeness of God. You are special in the eyes of the Lord. You are not anyone's punching bag, anyone's ground for them to walk on over. You are a human and you are a being that should be respected, nurtured, and cared for. Um, And I'm talking about both men and women because there are men who are being abused by their spouse as well. Um, Now with the LGBTQ uh, community, 
uh, uh, marriages within the, the same sexes, there's also abuse there. I've uh, had some friends who uh, are um, who are gay, and his husband used to beat him. And um, so it goes on, you know, and we are in our fallen nature. That's basically the, the problem. We are in our fallen nature. We are not perfect beings. And so, um, you know, there's the depravity of the mind that goes on. There are things that are broken within us, uh, whether it be uh, biologically, whether it be, um, you know, uh, uh, physiologically, mentally, emotionally, there's a lot of brokenness uh, in this world. And so you're going to find things like this that happen, but that doesn't mean that you are stuck. You can come out of it. Um, there is much life for you. There is life after trauma. Um, you can thrive and, and uh, uh, as a survivor. And there is so much more to life than merely existing. And I believe it was um, Maya Angelou who, who wrote that poem. That, um, and that, uh, well, she coined it, the phrase that she doesn't want to merely exist, but she wants to thrive. And so I pray that upon you tonight. I pray that you will get into your thrive zone. You, For those who may not know Christ, that you will find him to be the eternal, everlasting um, hope uh, and that you can have everlasting life for those who don't know him get to know him, that you will be able to spend eternity where there is no tears, there's no pain, okay? Um, but because the creator, he when he created you, he knew what he created you for. So you got to get in touch with the creator so you know, so you can know what your purpose is in life. So, um, and then learn to thrive. Here's some numbers for you. Also, um, you can go and get, uh, if you look up the safety plan or uh, 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 emergency plan, you will be able to uh, find ways to get out of your situation. Even if you have pets, if you have children, um, it's a safe way. There is a safe way for you. So domestic violence, if you see it, if you're in it, call one 800 787-3224. Child abuse, 1-800-422-4453. Now, to make donation or get in touch with me or my team, please go to www.wealthmngt.org or you get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. I reign. Stop abuse and abolish sex trafficking. Also, go to our YouTube channel at Irene. And um, become a subscriber so that you won't miss a beat. So repeat after me. I reclaim my life. I excel at living. I illuminate the dark. I grow in Christ. I nurture myself and others. You know I love you very much. Love yourself too. And see you next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Good night, everybody. Down, afraid to let it out. Shackles, shackles, chains, the hurt, the guilt, the stain.